Comic Book Tales is an immersive comic book experience for the new or lapsed comic book fan. I take a closer look at the comics that shaped my childhood and influenced my adulthood. Comic books are an amazing entry into another world and even provide the pictures to complete the fantasy. Join me for a new Comic Book Tales adventure. Hello, hello, and welcome to the final episode of Season 2. We're going to wrap it up here, uh, but we've been talking about the work for hire. That's the whole thing that started all this. Work for hire, work for hire, work for hire. Um, last episode, we talked about the uh, image explosion and implosion of the comic book industry and everything that led to because work for hire <clears throat> doesn't work. But it did. Um, and the jealousy that the work for hire people felt towards their employers gave us the 1990s implosion. Um, unfortunately, it gave us that because it was over speculation. It was over saturation of a medium that has a limited amount of thought and process uh, in most people's minds. So the work for hire to this day hasn't really been settled. We're still in that situation, but I think there's too recent a memory of the implosion to duplicate it quite yet, but I think it's going to come back around. So we're, we're, we're in the year 2000 when getting ready to the new millennium and the X-Men movie is about to be released. Now understand nobody knew if this was going to work. Nobody knew, you know, were the effects going to be good enough? Were people going to come out? Did people want to see this? Now, remember, X-Men were the most popular comic books. Even through the 90s, the X-Men were the most popular comic book characters. But the reality is that's not, that's damning with faint praise because it wasn't a lot of people looking at comic books at that point. Um, notoriously, Brian Singer, who directed that first X-Men movie and directed four out of the five X-Men movies, um, did not, or four out of six, did not really want to do the job. He didn't want the job. And he banned comic books from being on the set because he didn't want people to use the comic books as their source material. Now think about that for a second. I don't want you to use the source material for your character. I want you to use what I've written. And I don't like comic books. And I don't read comic books. Inspired choice, huh? Thanks, Fox. <laughs> uh, at this time, Fox, still to this day, Fox owns the rights to X-Men and Fantastic Four. They gave up other rights later, and we'll talk about that at a different time uh, in another season. Um, and Sony owned the rights to Spider-Man. So X-Men came out in 2000. It was a hit. But I challenge you to go back and watch it now. I do. Um... The standout there, there are probably two standouts, maybe three if you really want to push it. Wolverine, Hugh Jackman makes the perfect Wolverine, except for the height problem. And Charles Xavier, played by Patrick Stewart. Good choice. Good, uh, I, both of those fit what you thought they would look like, what you felt they would act like, what you felt they would be. Uh, Magneto... I think Ian McKellen was probably a little too old for the role. Um, but, needless to say, he was cast in the role. 
I don't think he did a particularly great job. I think he did an admirable job. I think the costuming made it look a little less than I liked. Um, the story, weak. <laughs> the best way I can describe it is weak. Uh, Rogue was totally not even remotely what she should have been, could have been, had so much potential to be. Sabretooth, wow. <laughs> the, the reality was it was an X-Men movie. Stanley was happy. It was an X-Men movie. Let's leave it at that. X2, built upon that, was much better. X3, you know, Last Stand was hot garbage. Um, they rebooted it with the earlier incarnations of the team. I think they did a much better job there. Kind of got to X-Men Apocalypse. Maybe not. Um, but that was all in the that was all to come. In 2000, we didn't know. We didn't know what we were going to get. So 2002, we get Spider-Man. And it's awesome. It's awesome to see Spider-Man on the big screen. It's awesome to see the special effects. But again, story... Eh, okay. A little heavy-handed. Drags in parts. Um, not what exactly what we're looking for. But it's a start. Now remember, Sony and Fox are owning these two properties. These are not Marvel-run. Uh, they were not Marvel creative choices. Um, they were stock... Fox and Sony's creative choices. It wasn't until we got to The Incredible Hulk that we started to see some Marvel influence. Started to see the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we've seen, we talked about it in season one. But it can't be overstated enough how dramatically different the landscape would look had Marvel not taken control of the characters they could. Remember, the three jewels. Fantastic Four, X-Men, and Spider-Man had been sold off. Marvel had what what everyone considered B or C level heroes and villains at that point. Anything the general public knew had already been taken. Okay? What they had left was the Avengers. Now, I personally love the Avengers, but the characters that go into the Avengers were not considered the highest of high-grade uh, marketable products, which... You know, in hindsight, it seems foolish, but at the time, that's the perception. The Q rating was pretty low. So we had middling results on the Fantastic Four movies at that point. There have been two, and eh, okay. Again, the stories didn't adhere to the comics closely enough to satisfy comic fans, and they weren't interesting enough to satisfy non-comic book fans. So you really didn't, you got the mushy middle, as, as Brian Brushwood is wont to say, and you didn't get anything good. You just kind of got, eh, yeah, it was good to see him on the screen, eh, you know, okay, great, eh, you know. So the 2008 Incredible Hulk started that, but really didn't. It was really Iron Man. Again, somebody most people didn't know. You know, you heard the song. From Black Sabbath, but you didn't really know Iron Man unless you were a comic book fan. That started the trend. The stories got better. The actors got better. Um, the continuity. Remember we talked about it many, many times. They live in a shared universe. They live in a shared universe. Sony only had Spider-Man. So they didn't have a shared universe. 
Fox had Fantastic Four and the X-Men, but they didn't share. They lived in two separate worlds. Marvel understood what got them to where they are. Marvel and Stewart brought them to the party, and they danced with the one that brought them, and they shared the universe. And you saw it in each successive movie. It built upon the last, and things that happened in other movies affected the next movie. So it was a building block for something else, to the Avengers, really, to the end of Phase 1. That's what had to happen. That's not what Fox and Sony had. So what you did was you didn't really hype up or increase comic book sales, not to an appreciable amount, because the stories didn't match what you saw in the comic books. They existed, but they might as well have been two different worlds because, yes, they had the same characters. They had Wolverine, but he didn't have those adventures on in the books. He only had them on the silver screen. And they didn't match up. Marvel started to get that. They got that with Kevin Feige. He understood, I need to bring this all together. I have to bring this all together or it's never going to work. We're going to fail. He did what Stan Lee had been trying to do for 40 years, and he made it happen. Obviously, I think Stan paved the way, but I think Stan was not the right guy to get it done. He was the face of Marvel, but he wasn't a businessman. He didn't understand. He was out of his depth. I think they're they're better off now the way they are. Kev, you know, Stan cameo and is, is the best we can hope for at this point but that led us to a revival of marvel comics like it or hate it marvel's agents of shield makes marvel comics on your screen every week the movies make you think about those comics they make you think about the tie-in products which make money for the studio and for the for disney disney had the muscle and the money behind releasing these things that marvel never had they never had the distribution ability. They never had the creative talent they needed. They never had the the they never had the things they needed in Hollywood to make these movies until Disney came along. So Marvel's downfall was Disney's benefit, but it was all of our benefit. Had had Marvel been plodding along and not gotten to that point, maybe Disney wouldn't have come calling. Maybe Disney would have said the price isn't right. We're not interested. That could have been disastrous for Marvel. Could have been disastrous. Yet it wasn't. Um, so their failure became their success in a way. Remember, work for hire led to all of this, led to the, the dearth of talent leaving and changing everything at Marvel. So they were taking risks they didn't shouldn't have taken, and it backfired on them in the 90s. You can only replace so many people so often before you try and run out of good talent. And that's what happened. So the industry collapsed, led a lot by Marvel. DC followed suit. They, they, they were part of Time Warner, so they were, they were protected to a great degree, and had, as they had been in the 50s. But it wasn't great. It wasn't awesome for them, and they knew it. They knew it, and the industry was abysmal. Um, you know, you, you saw the... the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy kind of revamped that. Uh, hasn't worked for Superman, but we'll see. Um, so that's where we find ourselves today. I don't think we're in a great place in a comic book world. Comic book movie world? Yeah. Comic book world? Not so much yet. Uh, time will tell if this can turn into actual sales. Marvel's still doing some of the dumb things they did in the late 80s and 90s 
which is these big tie-in events. It's not working, but they are changing the universe a lot. And maybe that's a good thing and maybe it's a bad thing. I think we all want change up until the point where it changes and then we don't really want change anymore. <laughs> so it's hard to say. It really is hard to say. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm excited because of what could be coming. But time will tell whether or not that's something good or bad. Um, that oncoming light may be the end of the tunnel, but maybe also the train coming at them. So we'll have to wait and see. So this is a story to be continued, but only because time will have to progress forward for there to be something to continue. So this is the end of season two. I hope you enjoyed it. Please give me your feedback. Um, <clears throat> I didn't put this in the other episodes, but I'll put it here in the end. And hopefully you've been listening. We have a feedback number. 717-739-5432. That's in America. So put a one there if you're dialing it. 717-739-5432. Leave me a voicemail and I may play it on a future episode um, or at least reference it in in uh, in one of the episodes. So thank you for joining me for season two. We'll be back with season three at some time in the future. I cannot tell you when, um, but it's coming. Thanks for joining me. I'm Chad. I'll talk to you soon. This has been a Hannah Tree production.